Whatever Wednesday. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us. Oh, Nick, I got this great idea. Man, I've just finished listening to these um these lectures on Augustine and every single time the lecture ends, there's this like choir from like, you know, the, the the early church period sort of choir vibe. It's just so dramatic and so awesome. And cathedral music. Cathedral, like, awesomeness. And I was like, oh, we have to get... Because if we started, you know, th- something on Friday uh, with our Father Friday, I mean, we could, mm. we could even change the jingles up per day. We could do yeah, that. That's not a bad idea. That's actually yeah, really cool. Like and you got a different like jingle it. for each day. So I'll, I'll, I'll put something together. I'll, put, I'll sing something for you next time. <laughs> Hogness Day. <laughs> oh boy, that, yeah, you see, that that would be perfect. Everything yeah, I'll, do, I'll, do some castro- I'll do some castrati impersonations. <laughs> that would be great. You know, you know what the castrati are? No, tell me. So it's people um, who have the same effect as if you were castrated, who <laughs> sing in a beautiful high voice. <laughs> oh, no. They're known as the castrati. <laughs> Oh, wow. Just wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got the opposite of a high voice at the moment. My voice seems like it feels like it's getting lower and lower. I've gone past Johnny Cash phase and I'm just like now now I'm going into like like straight up laryngitis. And uh, I'm, so I'm hoping we can make it through this week. Um, I'm stoked because I know how I go. I just it just sort of cuts out on me. And then, I, you know, yeah. some kind of kind of good thing that it's happening early in the week because then it, it comes back for the preach you know but then uh, i've yeah. just strained my vocals preaching i don't know what i do but anyways uh talking maybe maybe um maybe i should do the intro solo do the do the, the bass you know yeah. oh, you come with the castrati i could do the bass <laughs> we could work something out it'd be amazing um dude but anyway so uh we kind of had a little quick uh, chat about um what we could potentially talk around on this whatever Wednesday, whatever Wednesday yeah. uh, is reserved for whatever. Um, and so it can be theology, it can be whatever. And um, and I uh, miss my brother. Uh, we just could, didn't connect this week. We sometimes do that. Oh, we just uh, we just don't talk, you know, we just have, have enough of each other. Um, so I got my brother from the other mother with me, um, the backup brother, backup dancer. Do you like, <clears> do you like <throat> being called backup brother, Nick? Oh, yes. <laughs> Second fiddle, brother. Second fiddle. Second fiddle, brother. Um, and so, uh, yeah, you mentioned you had some chats about apostles, and uh, I've actually recently also had a chat with uh, a few people, and one in particular, actually, an old friend from South Africa, um, listening to the show, just uh, getting some, Brilliant. getting some uh, advice on the on the cessationist issue. So this would probably just fit that bill as well. Um, so, yeah. what, what did you talk about? What, what was the thing? So there? I. Um, you know, we're part of the Baptist Union, our church. Yeah. So one of the things we do is we uh, we have Baptist Union cluster meetings where just pastors from the local area will come together once a month and just have a lunch, have a chat, have a prayer for one another. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll prophesy over me. Sometimes, you know. Nice. Because uh, apparently I'm going to be moving in works of power pretty soon. That's just a prophecy that I've received recently. Beautiful. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's great. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's true. the wonderful it's thing true. about I mean, what, what do you think? I mean, that's this podcast is a work of power, bro. 
<laughs> well, uh, one of the things that, that I've determined to do is because we haven't been very good as a Reformed Baptist church to be very good at playing with others. Yeah. And we've got a bad reputation in town, being a small town, that's important that you have a good reputation. Mm-hmm. So I've, we've begun to really try and reach out. And um, so we're the only Reformed confessionally reformed church in the BU. There's another brother, Ian, who you've met, yes. who's become a five-point Calvinist, who's on a great journey. Boom. But um, it makes for interesting discussions. So all of a sudden, uh, there's a guy who's going around in Timaru who's gone over to the States. He's gone through various conferences on healing, and now he's doing talks at youth groups and around the churches here on you know, how we should be moving in works of power. So the conversation turned in that direction. Oh, wow. I totally saw that guy advertising. <laughs> That was, yeah. I wonder if it's the same guy. I think it is because he went to Auckland too, didn't he? I don't know. I, think I don't know. Anyways, yeah. How to move in works so, of power. Uh, that, that rings a bell. Yeah, so I mean, these other pastors, one of the other pastors uh, was just sharing about how they really wanted to see their church, you know, move in the Holy Spirit. And so the conversation opened right up. And so I just got, I got a chance to share my journey and why I completely disagreed. And it's a, it's a really loving conversation. We're just totally frank about our differences. Mm-hmm. I'm complementarian. They're, they're egalitarian. Mm-hmm. I'm a Calvinist. They're not. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a cessationist. They definitely are not. Right. Um, but, you know, we really set the tone in terms of transparency, but brotherly love. All right. Awesome. And so, um, yeah, it was so, so I just shared, you know, how I was basically in every lunatic, I was in the lunatic fringe of the charismatic church. The felt lead movement. <laughs> you had felt lead poisoning. Felt, yeah, felt lead poisoning. That's it. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, how I got involved in everything and then how I moved away from the charismatic church. Mm-hmm. And so the discussion really moved towards, you know, they were asking me, they, they, they opened their Bibles to John 14 and said, well, what did Jesus mean when he said, Um, you know, you're going to do greater works than I have done. Mm -hmm. And so that just, you know, my first question was, well, you know, who was Jesus speaking to? Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, then the apostles. So I just set set the tone for the context, you know. Um, You know, we always refer to those verses where the Holy Spirit's, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to bring back into remembrance all that I've said to you. Mm. And so I asked them, I said, you know, well, what's your understanding of that verse? Yeah. And so they gave the standard uh, response, you know, the Holy Spirit's uh, my Bible memorization helper. Mm. Yeah, I read my Bible. I try to learn a, a, a verse by memory, and then when I need it in preaching or whatever the case is, in temptation, the Holy Spirit, Spirit brings it back into remembrance. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just went on to say, well, look, that's not the primary meaning of the text. Nope. It's true the Holy Spirit does do that, but right. this was a promise of a miraculous ability to remember things from the life and teachings of Christ for yes. the apostles, yeah. for the purpose of of recording and inscripturating that record. Yeah. Exactly. And so we just spoke about the role of the apostle, and mm-hmm. yeah, we just we just took it from there. I, I took it from there and just mapped out a, a biblical theology of of what an apostle is with a capital A. I do like the whole. I li- I like that approach in covering any cessationist continuationist uh, conversation anyway, because what it does is, you know, unless someone is willing to come up with some really bizarre um, understanding of their doctrine of the canon or canonicity or the, uh, the the process of canonicity, you know, most are willing to say, well, you know, the the, the books of the Bible have, have ceased, you know, at the 66 books level, right? And <laughs> so there is a cessation of revelation, at least at that level, and everyone can agree that they are cessationists, you know. Yes, and, um, and, and as evangelicals, they do agree. 
Yeah, they do exactly. Amen. So they are de facto cessationists, and it's helpful just to help them to see that actually that's all we're even talking about to begin with, anyway. Yeah. And then, and everyone is kind of in agreement on that point. The re- reason apostles uh, factor in well there is because of the factor of apostolicity in in uh, the doctrine of the canon. So you know, to the degree that you understand. Um, the books of the canon not being formed by a council, but rather by by the apostles themselves commending those works to the church. I mean, you you're you're almost bound then to very quickly say, all right, well, whatever kind of apostles we're thinking are around today, it's not the same kind of apostle that was around then. And there again, yep. what you've done is you've just taken a step deeper into cessationism. You've believed that something <laughs> has ceased, at least that particular yeah. gift of the apostle. And it just keeps exactly. going from there, you know, and then and then and then you, you know, talk about the signs of the apostles. Right, 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 exactly. And and you know, actually that's all anyone was ever talking about to begin with. Because <laughs> no one really minds if someone prays and God heals, you know, certainly God can do yeah. that and extraordinary providence is a thing. But um and no one's really even against the miraculous. It's just that we're talking about the doctrine of revelation and canonicity and how that comes yeah. to bear on the Christian life and sufficiency of scripture even. Yeah. So yeah. anytime there's a, a discussion around, you know, the gifts, my, my, I always start the discussion with, do you know what an apostle is and the significance of yeah. Paul being an apostle? Yes. That's, that's where I have to start because once, once you've established what the Bible is for, mm-hmm. what the role of apostles are for. And so one of the verses I referred to is Ephesians 2 verse 20. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll read from verse 19. It says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, (coughs) built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. You know, and the the common refrain is, you know, how many times do you build a foundation in a house? Mm -hmm. Only once. So here's, here's the revelation that God gave to the church to establish the church upon the foundation laying of the uh, stage of the church. Mm. It's the apostles and prophets. And so, you know, do we see a repeat of this? So we have to define what a prophet is. We have yes. to define what the signs of the apostles are. We have to define what a sign is and the purpose of a sign. Mm. That it's for authenticating and testing to a particular message that's being given at the time. Yeah. And once we've done that, and as and then, you know, and then we can add to that, you know, why do we see, for example, the Samaritans receiving tongues, but only when the apostles have laid hands upon them? Right. And then we we explain the you know the gospel crossing racial barriers and the Samaritans who were never part of the people of God being incorporated into the people of God through laying on of hands, the unclean being touched uh, by the Jews, you know, mm. all of this incredibly significant stuff that you don't see if you just go in there with your charismatic glasses on. Yes. Um, so yeah, there's just so many. Uh, things that unless you understand those other things first you're going to read the miraculous elements of scripture in a completely wrong way totally yeah yeah. so it was it was a great discussion and i actually at the end of the discussion someone actually came to me and said you know nick can you recommend a book Mm -hmm. and i said definitely Mm. perspectives (laughs) on pentecost by richard geffen oh wow you want to go for the home run there that's crazy. I mean, dude, yeah. that's not an easy, that's a, the most yeah. deceptive book in the universe. It's like this tiny little pamphlet thing. And then you, 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 like after the first hour, you're still on page one. And it's like, you're trying to figure out what the heck the guy's saying. It's just the most yeah. technically 
dense book I've ever come across in my life, I think. Um, so it's not an easy read, yeah, even though all, don't don't yeah. be deceived. You know, go into it with 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 your heavy hitter muscles going on. Um, yeah, and, and I warned them. I said, look, it's a technical work, and they said, no, that's fine. Yeah. Um, this this individual had gone to Bible college, did have the languages, so. All right, all right, that should do. Um, but now listen, yeah. there's another great little book just coming right out of the signs um, thing that you were talking about there, Walter Chantry, the signs of the apostles. Um, it's just really it's worth getting. Same stuff. It does. It's just it's okay, a, a very easy read. It sort of flows through redemptive history, makes a very persuasive case, um, connecting just just showing, just highlighting the fact that when when miracles were happening, it was because canon was being advanced. It was because redemptive revelation mm. was being uh, attested to and confirmed. It's why we're not nut jobs for believing the Bible, essentially, <laughs> and. Um, and so it's yeah. just a great, also a little book, but uh, it doesn't leave you feeling like you need some painkillers after you read it. I haven't read it. Do you remember what he says on the issue of the perfect has come in 1 Corinthians 13? Um, you know, I'm not sure. He he might well have taken uh, the dodgy cessationist view. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, because that was that was always the Achilles heel I felt of the cessationist position was, you know, whether it's Sinclair Ferguson or Robert Raymond or whoever else I would read. Yeah. They would always speak about, you know, when the perfect comes, mm -hmm. then... Uh, knowledge, prophecy, tongues will cease. Yeah, and uh, I always felt well, that's the Achilles heel. That definitely doesn't mean that. That's talking about the second coming of Christ. And mm. So I would always look at Grudem's exegesis on that verse and say, "Yeah, he's right." And I look at the cessationists and say <laughs> they're wrong. <laughs> I liked uh, I like Sproul. I think as well does a similar sort of thing. He says, um, "You know, yes, it's talking about the end. You know, um, the perfect. But we have to remember that that." You know, that comes in, in layers, as it were. The already not yet is involved. There's all sorts of stuff to consider with result uh, yeah. with regard to that. And, but I do like the idea when they talk about that. Well, there are two things that come to mind. I mean, you know, number one, even though that, that view often gets slammed, we've got to remember, I mean, Jonathan Edwards held to that, um, you know, obviously uh, the Wolf, uh, Warfield himself. I don't himself. mind slamming Edwards. Next name. Let's slam uh, B.B. Warfield. It. Slammed. Well... You know, I, I've, I've, I've got a, I just, what I think about those guys is that, Lemmy, whammy. <laughs> uh, is that they uh, were, you know, obviously not pushovers. So they just, it, it makes, sometimes people make it sound like the only ones that would hold that for you are some real like dodgy fundamentalists who just don't really care about the Bible. You've got, you've got, you've got some heavy hitters that have held that position. So I just think yeah. it's worth saying because it is worth checking out. And every time I have looked at their arguments, I've been surprised at how much substance there is to those arguments. But that said, I think it's a classic case of ask the wrong questions, get the wrong answers. It's just, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that, that's Gaffin's point. He says, look, the text is about love. And if you put the wrong question to the text, you're going to get a wrong answer every time. Yeah. If you put the question of, will the miracles endure until the second coming of Christ, as if Paul knew how long the church age was going to be, yeah. that's an illegitimate question. And exactly. uh, that's not what that text was written no. to answer. He was certainly so, saying that when when Christ comes, you know, those gifts will be, uh, you know, irrelevant in light of the perfect. But yeah, he didn't yeah. have in mind the question of canonicity. But I do think what what the best uh, arguments for those, and this is where I was going to bring Sproul in, what he did, it, what I thought was genius. 
he said to the degree that that principle is true it really it does apply it, it crosses over to the question of canonicity and um yeah. and and you know that the gifts are for are for a reason and uh yeah you know so that's, i mean it's, it's a true inference for those in the camp yes. but for those who are still trying to decide it's yes. not gonna it's not gonna be a, it's not gonna win it's not gonna pull them over to the other side true that so what i think will pull people over and this is one of the most underrated things um is the doctrine of the sufficiency of scripture mm, you know amen. so it's come through the back door you know and just go all right just <laughs> just okay canonicity is quite an obvious one but not played well enough and then the other thing is just is the bible sufficient or isn't it uh, i think yeah. it was robert raymond who did say that to the degree that we affirm ongoing revelatory gifts right to that degree we abandon the cry of sola scriptura uh, in the Reformation, uh, we we essentially lose the force of what they were arguing against uh, Rome with. You know, uh, yeah. we're we're going back one way or another to some sort of need for, um, you know, the superstition elements or the the authority of the Pope or whatever it was. So it's just a very 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 forceful argument, and that is a precious doctrine. You know, um, well, and that that was very helpful to me. I mean, I think there is a little bit of pushback because mm -hmm. you've got someone like Wayne Grudem. Who does believe in the sufficiency of Scripture? He does believe he holds the office of the apostle as separate mm -hmm. from other revelatory gifts, and he says, "Well, look, the Word of God is not sufficient to equip the man of God to perform a miracle." Mm -hmm. And so, <laughs> right. you know, yeah, totally. Um, well, I, and and I think probably, um, I mean, it's worth it's worth actually, yeah, that's probably the best. I don't know if you can think of anyone else. I mean, other than Grudem, Sam Storms, else? Sam Storms, yeah, good call. Although so Sam Storms really killed himself on that one, I thought. Like, basically, yeah. he basically, what he said was, go to those texts that talk about not despising prophecy, right? Um, yeah. Take him seriously. But he makes the argument, and he, he, you know, he gets the Greek. It's crazy. That, that what he is saying there is, like, once you've proven a prophecy true, be bound to it. Right. It's actually Ooh. binding your conscience to it, you know. So oh. so that's the argument of the Paul. He's going like, listen, don't despise prophecies. These are the very revelatory words of God. Yeah. Test them. And once they're there and established, you know, be bound to them. And so it really yeah. it is the very argument of the, the, the idea of liberty of conscience and the sufficiency of Scripture, because we're our conscience is bound to the Bible alone, you know. And yeah. um, and so, again, I think that's just a helpful, even though it's. It's in you know yeah. it's a guy who's going there from the most uh, educated. Piper, yeah, go for it. Piper as well. His his Piper's view says you know desire prophecy. Yeah, right. that's his that's his segue into it. You know, well, Bible totally. says desire it. I'm going to desire it. Yeah, well, um, and, and I would say what Jim Renian says, uh, desire what? it. Desire the teaching of the apostles. Right? Desire. <laughs> we have apostles today, folks. Their names are. Amen. <laughs> yeah, you know, James and John and whatnot. So I love the way he waves his Bible around when he does that, too. That's the best part. You yeah. know, it's like, we have apostles today. It's the, I love it. It's great. Jim <laughs> gets charismatic in his preaching. Um, <clears throat> but uh, all right, there we go. There's a whole lot of thoughts. Maybe one more quick uh, suggestion for an article that I think needs more press. Uh, Vern Sheridian Poitras wrote an article called. Uh, oof. Can you remember the name? Providential. Yeah, it's like a super ridiculously thing. technical. Uh, special pro. Here we go. Special providences. Uh, okay. Modern spiritual gifts as analogous to apostolic gifts, affirming extraordinary works of the spirit within cessationist theology. There we go. Um, how are you going to Google that? Just go modern spiritual gifts, 
and Vern Poythus, V-E-R-N-P-O-Y-T-H-R-E-S-S. This dude is a math legend, gun theologian, and just broke it down 100% on this paper. Uh, it is amazing what he does. Going back to what we were saying earlier mm. in that, yes, okay, fine, let's, let's nail down that foundational um, prophetic office and apostolic office, but then there is room for an analogous sense in which that office can occur. And a lot of it just falls to semantics you know in terms of the various debates that are going on you know what you would call an apostle i would call maybe a missionary but you know if we both mean that that office or whatever that is is analogous not the actual apostle you know um capital a uh, but analogous to that apostle in in his ministry then we're actually agreeing and so he uses this really helpful uh, dare i say tripispectival um, model to to sort of break things down a little bit <laughs> and just triangle. yeah yeah and just open it up just just open it up to more discussion so if you're getting stuck that's a good one to go to i, I really really profited from that article um cool that's yeah. a little bit of reading that's a little bit of thinking <clears throat> whatever wednesday all good all whatever. good whatever who cares <laughs> all right what Stay with us, Paul. We're gonna do some cool stuff this week as well. We're gonna um, mm. we got we got some talk about. Oh man, we got some Didache coming your way. Uh, Didachi. Didachi. If you don't know what that is, stay tuned. All right, let's <laughs> drop it here, and we'll come back at you tomorrow. Cheers, Cheers. Nick.